Good day and welcome to another B2B exclusive. Our guest today is Paul Locke, Chairman and Managing Director at Pan Asia Metals. Pan Asia Metals trades on the Australian Stock Exchange under the ticker PAM. Good day, Paul. Thank you for joining us on B2B interviews. Hi, Todd. How are you? It's really good to be here. I'm doing excellent and it's my pleasure. Paul, I thought you might begin with a brief introduction and overview of the company. Sure. So Pan-Asia Metals um, is Southeast Asian focused. The reason we focus on Southeast Asia is that it's a high growth region in Asia. Around 60% of the globe's vehicles are manufactured. That includes India, China, South Korea, and Japan. And there's a big push into Southeast Asia for auto production, particularly Thailand, where our lead project is. So what we like about Southeast Asia is the cost environment. It's a low cost environment, and it will give us a competitive edge when it comes to manufacturing uh, chemicals for batteries. Now, expand a bit more, if you would, on some of your core projects and present operations. Give us a better sense for where you are today in terms of drilling, development, studies, resources, etc. Yep. So we have two projects underway and they're, they're different. The Rionket uh, lithium project is a hard rock lipidolite style project uh, situated in southern Thailand in the Southeast Asian tin tungsten belt. This project is in feasibility. So we've, we've drilled out and we're about to deliver an updated mineral resource estimate. So right now we've got 10.4 million tonnes at 0.44% Li2O. That should upgrade by 40 to 50%. And then there's a second prospect we're drilling now, and I expect we'll see similar tonnes. Our objective there is to produce around 10,000 tonnes of lithium carbonate and joint venture that into cathode active material. So we're doing test work, chemical test work at the moment, where we've managed to extract 80 to 88% of lithium into solution. And now the job is to produce battery grade lithium carbonate. The project's going really well. And some of the listeners might have heard the grade 0.44% Li2O and think that's uh, reasonably low. The style of mineralization is a pegmatite dark swarm, which means that when we ore sort, that grade actually gets pretty close to 1%. So the 0.44% is just a function of the geology and the way we measure an oil resource. The feed grade will be between 0.9 and 1% we expect. So it's a it's a really neat little project. 10,000 tonnes per annum, that's our target. That's not big in the global scheme, but from a revenue perspective, it's, it's reasonably substantial in this price environment. And also, given the size of the project, the CapEx and OPEX, particularly the CapEx, will be reasonably low. We can't put an estimate on that now, but given where we are, uh, we're not seeing inflationary pressures in Southeast Asia. We expect that uh, CapEx will be reasonably low when we compare it to the global peer group. The second project is a an MOU that's been entered into with a Vietnamese-based EV producer called VinFast. Now, they're exporting vehicles to the US at the moment. One of their subsidiaries is called VinES or Vin Energy Solutions, VinES Energy Solutions, and they produce batteries. They've got a joint venture with a Chinese CAM producer called Goshen to produce uh, lithium ion phosphate CAM. And we've entered into a joint venture to build a lithium conversion facility. And that facility will supply VIN ES and also other third parties. The source of that material 
uh, will be from third-party concentrate providers until we get some projects up and running and then we'll supply that ourselves or expand the facility. People might go, well, why are you heading into midstream? You're developing a project and now you've got a midstream project. And the reason is that lithium conversion facility will give us an opportunity to get to cash flow more quickly, given that we'd be building a facility in an industrial park, which is largely pre-qualified for this sort of activity. The hurdles uh, to get up and running are substantially lower than that of uh, building a mine and processing ore. So that's the company at the moment. Our objective is to be a midstream player. We see a big opportunity to move past the mine gate. And so with our tyre project, I mentioned we want to joint venture our lithium carbonate into a cathode active material facility. And we're having discussions along those lines at the moment. And the potential partners have been incredibly receptive to this. And then uh, with our conversion facility in Vietnam, that's a midstream chemical producer. And that gives us exposure to other opportunities to produce cathode active material. Well, it seems as though the company is certainly well positioned and poised in terms of strategic partnerships, alliances, and joint ventures. Paul, educate us a bit more in terms of the infrastructure as well as the political climate within this region as it relates to resource development, production, etc. Yep, sure. When we look at Thailand, Thailand is the largest auto producer in Southeast Asia and the fourth largest in Asia, excluding India. There's over 20 auto manufacturers there at the moment. Mercedes EQS EV, its flagship EV, is actually produced in Thailand. So any of those EVs in the region come from Thailand. And um, we've got three Chinese producers there at the moment, Great Wall, Geely and BYD, who have started building their factories um, or are about to. And then we've got battery production starting to emerge in the region. From the Thai perspective, politically, they want to retain their auto leadership position in the region. And they've had proactive EV and battery policies in place for over five years. So when it comes to developing a project, the Thai government sees our project as a way to secure its critical minerals to feed part of its industry. And so we, in essence, are getting a very good reception uh, because it's quite important to their industrial uh, objectives, and that is to be a large EV battery and EV producer in the region. In Vietnam, the policy environment's similar. Vietnam's much closer to South Korea and China, and there's a lot of and Japan, and there's a lot of interaction between these companies uh, with manufacturing in Vietnam. So we see a similar policy environment encouraging. Uh, what we're doing. Vietnam would like to become a, a player in this in these activities. And so we get a very good reception. So politically, what we're doing is attractive to the governments. There's a lot of focus also on the US AUKUS, the Inflation Reduction Act, and securing critical metals. And in Southeast Asia, what we see is a balancing between China and the US because the region actually exports a lot to both countries. So it's not in their interest to uh, sort of take sides. And that works for us because we can sort of sit in a happy medium in, in between all of this activity. So Paul, let's take an aside for a moment and talk about the lithium markets. What are you seeing in terms of trends around supply and demand? And what are you seeing as sort of universally accepted around demand moving forward? Well, you could just just about go to any publication and it says that 2030 demand for lithium will be 
uh, about 10 times what it is now or what it was in 2021, 22. And there's a lot of variations on this forecast, but the amount of chemical required is massive. And there's certainly a lot of activity uh, in raw materials and a lot of competition. So securing uh, supply is important. But I don't think this is going to be a straight line growth path. What we found in, I think it was 2019 and 20, there was an oversupply and concentrate. So at the top end of the supply chain in mining, it got overactive and effectively flooded itself. And uh, I think there's a potential chance of that happening again. It'll be like a seesaw. The chart will be jagged. So EV growth seems to be fairly consistent, but supply as it matures will be in oversupply, undersupply in sort of a sawtooth fashion, I expect. So for a company like that, us, it's it's important to be able to play that dynamic to your advantage. But in essence, the overall thematic for supply is strong. As a result of that sawtooth approach, I expect that uh, concentrates will have a few cycles. But in general, I can see and forecasts are generally that lithium carbonate prices will be around the forty dollars to $50,000 at minimum, and we might see uh, periods where prices are much higher. So what is it then, Paul, that is so unique about Pan-Asia Metals? What is it that now defines and differentiates this company from others in the industry? Well, Pan-Asia Metals is actually the only lithium development company in Southeast Asia. And we're one of the few lithium development companies with midstream chemical processing objectives. And we've, we've taken steps to achieve that goal. So that's the key differentiator. The second one is cost environment. And I, I think this is overlooked a lot. Ultimately, when the supply demand sort of settles down, cost will become an important part of the equation. It's not right now because when lithium is at forty dollars to $50,000 a tonne or more, basically any project is economic. But the key is, can it be backed? Because no bank's going to sit, come into a, to a project and provide funds if your costs are high, because they know that at some point, if the commodity cycle turns on you, then you've got a project which is uh, is not covering or washing its own face. So ultimately, cost environment is important. And being in a low cost environment, being central to where there's a lot of battery and EV activity is our entree into moving downstream into chemicals. So if our project was located in Africa or even in WA, particularly for the smaller projects, it's really quite difficult to entertain activity past the mine gate because your projects are so remote. So let's change gears now and talk a little bit more about the leadership in place here. What can you tell us about this present board and management team at Pan-Asia Metals? The board has two executive directors, myself. I'm an ex-project financier and David Hobby, uh, an economic geologist. And we have a team under us of geologists, um, business development people who are helping Pam grow the business. We, we actually believe that we're in a fantastic position to grow our footprint because the window of opportunity uh, does have limits. And once you miss that window of opportunity, it's going to be very difficult to make headway. So David and Hobby and I have been working in Southeast Asia for over 10 years together. We're uh, very tight. We know how each other operates, which is really important. And then on our board, we have three other directors and they've all been operating in Southeast Asia or, or live in Southeast Asia, which is important because they understand 
the geopolitics and the local politics and, and how everything works. So Tanisak Chaniapun is a Thai national a lawyer and business person, and he's very well connected with what's happening in Thailand. Supriya Sen is a Singapore national. Um, she's ex-World Bank, uh, ex-Citibank, uh, Asian Development Bank and McKinsey, and uh, has a, a focus on ESG. She's very tapped into what's happening there, and that's important for our company going forward. And then David Doherty has been uh, involved in projects in the region uh, since the mid-80s. Underlying the board, that, that's the team which is most important for success. And I'm a big believer that we don't necessarily need people in our employment to have the skill set to achieve our objectives. So complementing uh, Pam's uh, team of geologists, we have consultant engineers and chemical engineers which actually have a lot of experience in lithium. And then as the company grows and gets larger, we can look at bringing those people into, or their equivalents into the company on a full-time basis. Most important part is that we have the knowledge um, who can look at lithium conversion, who have experience in it and understand where the problems have been previously, where companies are making mistakes and how we can avoid them. So Paul, briefly in closing, let's recap, if you would leave us with a few quick points here. Why should investors consider a long-term position in Pan-Asia Metals? Well, I think three key points are when you look at a company, and let's just set aside, let's assume that the board and management is of acceptable quality for success. It's about cost environment and being where the growth is. So if uh, we're in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia is a proven low-cost environment. Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, all advanced industrial economies. Thailand and Malaysia rank around 25 in the MIT and Harvard Industrial Complexity Indexes, uh, and Singapore's higher. Uh, we're very close to China, Korea, and Japan, and all of those countries have corporates or, or entities which are producing or plan to produce EVs and batteries in Southeast Asia. And then we've got India on top of that. So we are literally uh, right in the center of all of this activity. So the Rionket project provides our beachhead uh, and entree into producing chemicals. So that's point number one. Point number two is the region's growth. So it's the fastest growing region in the world, world. With India and China around us and Southeast Asia, there's around 3 billion, over 3 billion people. Southeast Asia alone is 640 million people. And there's a huge middle class or um, aspirational middle class there. So there's a lot of demand for our product. And then the third point is that Asia is currently the largest auto producing region in the world with around uh, 55 to 60% of autos produced in the region and around 95% of two and three wheelers in the region. And there's going to be a natural evolution into electric vehicles and batteries uh, where this auto production is happening. So we see Southeast Asia as being uh, as an, a very important emerging EV and battery ecosystem and being located there uh, will position us for a long-term and prosperous future. Well, that is certainly a very compelling story and a very interesting investment opportunity. Paul, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us on B2B Interviews. Thanks, Todd. It was, it's really been quite good talking to you. Thank you. Our guest today has been Paul Locke, Chairman and Managing Director at Pan Asia Metals. Pan Asia Metals trades on the Australian Stock Exchange. 
under the ticker PAM.